KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, January 4th. Fighting for education and care for children with special needs. That story next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County public health officials reported 968 new COVID-19 infections yesterday and 54 additional deaths. That's the second day in a row of less than 1,000 daily new cases reported. Officials say there are now at least 19 coronavirus vaccination sites across the county, but getting vaccines to people in rural communities has so far been a challenge. Now, Cal Fire San Diego and more than 20 local fire agencies are running what's called Operation Collaboration. The fire agencies have administered more than 7,000 vaccines at mobile sites and long-term care facilities. They'll be in Hamul later this week and Ramona over the weekend. Appointments for people 65 and older and healthcare workers can be made through the county. You can learn more about these vaccines at kpbs.org. A recall effort for San Diego City Council President Jen Campbell was made official on Wednesday when a notice of intent to recall was published by a legal newspaper. Recall leaders have to wait 21 days after publishing the letter of intent before they can begin collecting signatures. Campbell described the recall campaign as a waste of time and money. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. As special education costs continue to spiral, battles between parents and school districts over what services students need have intensified. KPBS education reporter Joe Hong has the story of one family who took their fight to court. Can you tell them your name? Eli. Eli's parents say they knew right away that their child would have hearing problems. His dad, John Davenport, recalls how as a toddler, Eli held his plastic toy guitar right up to his ear to hear the noises it made. He would sit when he was one year old, he would sit and he would lay his ear flush against it while was blasting music and he would just lay with his ear like that. You know, and I tested it, I took it and I held it close to my ear and it hurts. You know, that was it was obvious at that point that he had a problem. Fortunately, Davenport and his wife, Farah Cherie, were able to put Eli in the deaf and hard of hearing program for toddlers at San Diego Unified's Lafayette Elementary School in the Claremont Mason neighborhood. But when Eli turned three, he aged out of the program and the district has denied him entrance into the full day program ever since. For the past two years, Eli's parents, who are both physicians, have spent upwards of $30,000 to provide Eli with a patchwork of private services. But despite the advantage of being health experts with financial resources, they say Eli is still significantly behind where he should be. The pandemic has only made things worse. And then after that, they, he didn't meet their, you know, what the district called their criteria for hearing impairment. And so they kicked him out when he was three. Um, but he should have remained in that school. If he had remained in that school, 
I think his speech would be far improved yeah. from where he is now. There's no question it would be. Eli's parents say they have no clue why the district did not provide the services. In the past two and a half years, several independent experts examined Eli and found he easily qualifies as hearing impaired. Hearing specialist Gwen Soonan is one of those experts. I have three audiograms that clearly show he has a hearing loss in both ears. So if I look at his audiogram, he has a moderate rising to mild, sloping down to a moderate loss in both ears. The couple sued the district in November 2019 and again in October 2020 for denying Eli services and for reimbursement for the private instructors and therapists. So far, they say they've spent more than $20,000 on attorney's fees. Summer Steck is a special education attorney and a former teacher. She says disagreements like this occur only in a small percentage of cases, but when they do happen, they can be costly for both families and school districts. Sometimes, you know, you do wonder how you end up paying all the attorney's fees and all of the other costs and sometimes reimbursement to families that have paid for these services themselves. And when you look at what it would have cost to just do it in the first place and see if it is in fact what the student needs to receive a FAPE, um, it probably would have saved a, a, a lot of money. San Diego Unified School District spokeswoman Maureen McGee would not comment on Eli's case, citing the pending litigation. She also did not respond to questions about the district's special education policies. Cherie says the final straw came last October after they made one last failed attempt to get services for Eli through San Diego Unified at Lafayette Elementary. The parents said they couldn't wait any longer. His progression, I guess, his progress has been very, very slow. And he, he is nowhere near um, age level. He, has, he does not have age level language. Um, and um, I would say he's maybe at about two-year-old two two speech. Yeah. And he's five. In November, they enrolled Eli at the John Tracy Center in Los Angeles, which offers full-time in-person instruction for deaf and hard-of-hearing students. The parents rented an apartment in Los Angeles and took turns living with Eli for a week at a time. The couple says they're fortunate to be able to pay for their son's special education, but they can't get back what they lost. There's no amount of money in the world, I think, that someone could have and still give everything to their child. You know, we have resources, but... It, it wasn't enough. And that story from KPBS education reporter Joe Hong. California's vaccine rollout has caused confusion as the state continues to adjust who's next in the line for the shot. Cap Radio's Sammy Kaola recaps the latest changes. Right now, people over 65 are eligible for the vaccine. So are food and agricultural workers, educators, and law enforcement. The question of who's next in line is where it gets tricky. It was supposed to be transportation and manufacturing employees and people who work in homeless shelters, jails, and prisons, then people under 65 with medical conditions, and workers in communications, defense, and financial services. But those categories are all scrapped, according to the state health department. The state's going to make people eligible by age only. They have not announced which age group will follow people 65 and older. And the old priority list is still on their website. And that story from CAP Radio's Sammy Kaola. Last month, vandals splattered pink paint on some Black Lives Matter banners across San Diego. KPBS's Jacob Ayer reports. Community leaders are seeking the public's help to identify a suspect who vandalized two Black Lives Matter signs with pink paint at the University Christian Church 
and Rich's San Diego nightclub in Hillcrest. Mayor Todd Gloria says these types of crimes will not be tolerated in San Diego. I want to be extremely clear, there is no room for hate in San Diego. This was more than an act of vandalism, it was an attack on our community and on the people who live in our city. On Wednesday, police released a still photo of the suspect they obtained from security footage. People who have any information regarding the vandalism should contact the San Diego Police Department at 619-531-2000. And that story from KPBS's Jacob Ayer. San Diego Gas and Electric is now collaborating with the Scripps Institution of Oceanography to understand real-world impacts of a changing climate. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more. The region's investor-owned utility has expanded a relationship with researchers at UC San Diego. They're hoping to tap into ongoing research of extreme weather events that are happening because of climate change. Flooding along the coast is just one area of concern. That's really going to help us understand, you know, are we at risk of, of a compounding coastal flooding issue here in San Diego going forward? You know, how is that going to affect our infrastructure? How is that going to affect San Diego at large? Scripps researchers will also be able to use the utility's backcountry weather network for research on wildfires and storms. Current climate research suggests there will be even more extreme weather events in Southern California as the planet and region warm. And that story from KPBS's environment reporter, Eric Anderson. Coming up, some San Diegans were part of last month's riot at the U.S. Capitol. The local connections highlight San Diego's history of extremism. There are terrorist groups that are here locally, hate groups that are attacking our residents and our neighbors, that are also trying to infiltrate mainstream right-wing groups. That story coming up next. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. After the riot at the Capitol last month, the Department of Homeland Security issued a rare national terrorism advisory warning that violent extremists could carry out attacks in the coming weeks. One person arrested last week in connection to the riot was from San Diego, and another who died during the attack after being shot by police while trying to climb through a window at the Capitol was also from San Diego. Joel Day is a UC San Diego lecturer in the School of Global Policy and Strategy who specializes in homeland security and combating extremism. He spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman about the warning. So can you talk a bit about the history of extremism here in our region? 
Yeah, many folks have seen a history of extremism, especially in East County and North County. Folks have said that there's around 17 to 20 hate groups here in San Diego. These are groups like the Proud Boys, uh, the Identity Europa, the KKK, you know, Santee with its uh, history with the KKK has been jokingly referred to as Clan T. Um, and then, of course, just a couple of years ago, we saw the deadly attack in the Poway Chabad, uh, where we we experienced racism, hate uh, firsthand in our community. And I think that what we're experiencing is not different than what the entire country is seeing but that we have a rich history in this and that our law enforcement therefore needs to take it much more seriously. You know, I've heard you say um, that extremist groups have sort of spiraled into three different types of categories. Yeah. So three different types of categories would be somewhat the hate groups that would be the KKK and the Proud Boys. These are the chauvinist groups. Um, the second sort of group would be the paramilitary groups. These are sort of the three percenters or the oath keepers that are heavily tied in with law enforcement and the military, uh, very fascist in their orientation. And then finally, we have uh, kind of seditionist groups or uh, groups that are following the QAnon philosophy. These are kind of the kooky kooky groups that really are um, about breaking away from the United States government. We know that the FBI raised the red flag months ago about the threat of um, white supremacist domestic terrorism. How do you think Trump's focus on Antifa distracted attention, maybe, and resources from the far-right threat of white supremacist domestic terrorism? Well, I saw firsthand here working with uh, our local law enforcement. Uh, I know that experts all across the United States saw this somewhat false flag of local law enforcement, criminal intelligence units, fusion centers, during the Black Lives Matter movement, really focusing on where's Antifa, right? Hunting down this Antifa ghost. And what this new terrorism advisory shows us is that the United States intelligence community is telling local partners to act on a different sort of threat, right? Doesn't mention Antifa at all. It says it's crucial for law enforcement to take the far right threat seriously, and that we need to really be focusing on that rather than hunting Antifa ghosts. And so instead of criminal intelligence units trying to find sources of Antifa here in our communities, they need to be focused on uh, those three types of domestic terror groups that I talked about at the beginning. What do you think of our local law enforcement's response to the threat of domestic terrorism? You know, given the history of extremism in our area, even the, the 2019 Habat of Poway attack, do you feel uh, that they're using enough resources and are prepared to combat this threat? Look, we're in a national emergency, and that's not going away anytime soon. That's what this terror advisory is about. I think that our threat here in San Diego, uh, as evidenced by the folks from San Diego who joined the Capitol insurrection on the 6th, is elevated or even imminent. And that we need to get serious about tracking and tracing individuals who were part of the insurrectionist movement, who are part of the three percenters, who are infiltrating the 
more mainstream right-wing movement in San Diego. And here's what I'm, I'm most concerned about, that law enforcement and our civilian leadership needs to turn their attention to yesterday. And that is that there are terrorist groups that are, are here locally, uh, hate groups that are attacking our, our residents and our neighbors, that are also trying to infiltrate mainstream mainstream right-wing groups. So people protesting the reopening uh, of, of the economy after COVID, uh, people who are part of groups like Defend East County that have kind of become notorious in this debate, folks who have not utilized violence in order to get their point, but that are frustrated and protesting against the government in some way. What they are trying to do is infiltrate those groups and radicalize our neighbors before our eyes. And that is very dangerous. Um, so we know, for instance, that the three percenters group, one of these paramilitary right-wing groups that trains people to overthrow the government was part of setting up the reopen San Diego protests. And so those sorts of dangerous connections mean that our neighbors are being targeted. Our neighbors who are frustrated but aren't terrorists are being recruited every day into these groups and that our law enforcement, our civilian leadership needs to take that far more seriously than we currently are doing. Can you talk about how um, these folks are con have connections to military and even law enforcement? Yeah, I think that more than two dozen folks that have been identified from the Insurrection of the Six have ties to the military. Uh, like you mentioned, here in San Diego, we obviously have uh, a military tradition and a, and a veteran population. There is a, a nefarious connection between uh, militarism and these paramilitary right-wing groups and we need to do a better job breaking that connection. And that means better support services for our military, investing more in our, our VA and making sure that the sources of grievance politics that drive anybody, uh, but especially the military, towards resorting to violence, which is something that they've been trained in, uh, resorting in violence in order to fix something that they think is, is unfixable by the government. Um, by giving more resources, investing in these individuals, we can pull them away from the brink. We can prevent people from sliding into radicalization, especially our military. But it requires attention and it requires resources to do it. That was Joel Day, UCSD lecturer in the School of Global Policy and Strategy, who specializes in homeland security and combating extremism. He was speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by 
the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.